see his leaders and his followers but i'd rather be a dick than a swallower you see his leaders and his followers but i'd rather be a dick than a swallower <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 41 of the Tall, Dark, and Ratchet podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Marcel Williams, and today is a very special day, but you know we got to do things the appropriate way, so let's kick it off with a nice introduction, shall we? Welcome back, peoples. I am joined today by a very special guest who I know little to nothing about, which is what makes these things very interesting. So welcome, everyone. Amanda. Did I just lose you? Or Did is that, you? Is that how that works? What happened? You oh, don't now hear me anymore? I can, <laughs> now I can hear cheeks. you again. I got the thickums, you know? So sometimes the headphones get unplugged. You got me now? I got you. Poor yeah. you. All right. So introduce yourself to the people. Who are you? What do you do? And why are you here in my dungeon? Okay. I've got a lot of... I hate that question because I think the older I get, the more complicated it is to answer that question. So I am self-proclaimed Miss Amanda Chen. I have a podcast called The Miss Amanda Chen Show. And I guess you can call me a life coach or business coach. I like to call myself a business therapist. I work primarily with female entrepreneurs or creative entrepreneurs. And uh, I am also... An entrepreneur myself i own a company called salty paloma it is a line of artisan flavored salts and sugars specifically for margaritas and other types of cocktails and we recently added in um, cocktail classes and cocktail kits then we made it uh, covid friendly we added some virtual cocktail classes and cocktail kits for delivery so right now in holiday season it's like out of control like in a, in a fantastic way so we got a whole mini team out here in the gta packing those boxes and sending them out well that's dope um now i've got a few questions based on what you've just said there so now um you are the second person who has told me on this podcast that you are a life coach and coincidentally you have a very similar background so what is your background your ethnic background um i'm taiwanese okay taiwanese now do your parents support this decision this career goal of yours so I recently started coaching midway through the COVID situation. So like in July, so I'm pretty near to it. They thought it was crazy. I had to employ a business coach because I was like, hey, buddy, I want to be you. And I thought that's kind of the way to do it, right? <laughs> that's what I've heard. I've heard the exact same story just yes, probably like two months cult. ago, yeah. um, which is very interesting. It's like the MLM of real life. Yes. Um, okay, so that's interesting. But now you also have um, a background we were discussing previously um, about a decade ago. You were dabbling in some different realms, you could say. Come on, mm -hmm. man. Yes. So let's talk about that. So what was it that you were doing about 10 years ago? Okay, so 10 years ago, I had my blog. Like everyone else has a blog when they're trying to get into magazines. You know, I think I was just like every other wannabe Carrie Bradshaw, Sex in the City kind of person. So to make clips, I had to start a blog and it was called Body Noise. It was about sex and relationships and all different things. It was a terrible name at the time. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I, what I did in order to get clips to 
send out to magazines and body noise. Yeah. So you came up with this yourself. I did, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. I mean, my body makes a few noises. <laughs> I don't know if they're worth yeah. blogging about, yeah. but okay. So now that's interesting. So you were blogging. I also started my first blog around 10 years ago. Mine was for abstaining from sex, which I spoke about on the last mm -hmm. episode. So I won't go too much into it right at this moment, but um, now you also had the pleasure of dabbling in the arts of sex toys. Yes, it's actually adult novelty items if you like to be I technical mean, about it. If you want to get real specific. I made smart investments. But now <laughs> I would like to know more about what this was. Because of course you're gonna try to suck the fun out of it and tell me that it was all the technical stuff that you had to deal with. But what would be a day in the life of somebody who was you know, having to write or critique or test these adult novelty items. Correct. <laughs> so the factory was in Brampton and the company is called BMS Enterprises. So I actually lied to my parents and called it a battery company that I worked for <laughs> that I would drive to every day. And um, they call themselves the IBM of sex toys. So it's equivalent to like the IBM chip that goes in the laptop. They were the ones that started the bullet. So they were the motor, oh. they're the GM. See, you started going with all the acronyms products. with the, you know, the BMS, the IBM. It was starting to give me IBS. <laughs> I got irritable bowel syndrome and it's triggered very easily. So, okay. So it was the IBM of these devices and yes. they were most famous for the bullet. Now the bullet I'm aware of. Yes, that is the classic toy. So did you have to test this item? So we actually worked with a manufacturer in China to make the first um, bullet that had a AAA battery. So this is 10 years ago. So you know those like mini little watch batteries yeah, yeah, yeah. that used to go into those bullets and it was kind of smaller and people can wear those like necklaces and things. For sure. We had to make it slightly longer so that it could fit into the AAA battery size. And then we had a bunch of tests when they would send them over to us. And some of them were so intense that we had to not use them. So we Holy. had to. So when we did test them, we tested them on our palm. Okay, just to give you some context, oh. we tested it on our palm, and if it hurt our hand, it's definitely going to hurt some parts. So that's kind of when. I mean, we would just I know that. some ladies who will <laughs> tell you that they really, really want that high-powered. Oh, I kept them, like the discontinued ones, because we're not going to return them. Obviously. <laughs> Holy! So that was fun, um, but only for me. So. Interesting. Okay. So, um, what was like the most interesting toy that came across your desk? Like, what was the thing that you were like, Whoa, I got to test this out or I got to write about this. Honestly, it's probably like the male sex toys because I just didn't understand them. <laughs> Let's so. get into it. So now if you had to be a little bit more descriptive, because I mean, the last episode we spoke a lot about butt stuff. So I know we're probably going to enter that uh, little universe as well. What would be an example of a sex toy that was designed for males that you came across that was a little bit alarming? Just like prostate um, toys, because they have like hooks on them and they just look like a more intense vibrator. So it's just kind of like, of course, it's in like a matte black or something to make it more masculine, but I didn't understand. I was kind of like, where does it go? How does it work? Where does it, how do you turn it on? So it's kind of the same context where maybe some guys would look at, you know, female sex stories and be like, Where, where's the button? How does this work? Kind of thing. Yeah, no, I feel like I would have a very difficult time trying to figure one of those things out, uh, like on my own. So do you have much experience kind of going into sex shops and trying to pick out your own toys or are you kind of 
you know, kind of over it all because you've seen them all or do you just order online? Do you even use sex toys anymore? Oh, of course I use sex toys. I, I have seen them all though. So basically this factory in Brampton, it's like Costco. So there's like rows and aisles of sex toys and they're all labeled from different sections of where to have the, where, where they're supposed to go, I guess. And every Monday morning we would have a uh, shopping cart full, like the whole shopping cart full of toys for me to write about new, new descriptions for the, for the week and the promotions and whatever we're going to do, like press releases, et cetera. So that's literally every day, every Monday that I'd walk into. It's the first thing in my office is shopping cart. Interesting. So it was the uh, bulk barn of uh, <laughs> wiener play and fun toys and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. So was it only like the the toys that you would use as an individual, or did you guys have to um, you know describe like the swings and the apparatuses and the chairs and the seats and all the all things? All of them. Yeah, all we, of the things we had porn too. Like back in the day, we had DVDs. You know, this DVD aisle. We had the oh, whole whoa, thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So now this is where you've percolated my interest because I am a huge fan of. Well, now more so, I'm very specific in my categories that I'll go and search on if I go and dabble porn. And now that I'm thinking about it, we're now, you know, midway through December, and I haven't actually watched porn since Halloween. So I'm, nice. I started a no fap November, but it's carried on into December. So listen, I'm trying to sight, stand underneath the mistletoe by myself <laughs> and just, you know, fap one out. But what kind of porns did you see that were maybe surprising to you that you were like, wow, people are really into this? Or was there something that you hadn't heard of that you now became a fan of? Because for me, after I watch a movie, there was somebody that I used to be intimate with where after every movie that we'd watch, we would seek out to see if we could find the parody version of that movie in a pornography. And I got to say, if you've never seen the Austin Powers remake in the porn form, it's very entertaining. The actor is pretty good. So what were some things that you maybe saw that you were into or that you're like, whoa, I didn't know people like this. So I was never that into porn until I got out of the industry. But we had these this annual porn awards in the industry that is in LA and what's really funny is, is that it, the AVNs? Yes, the mm. AVN Porn Awards and it's actually at the same time as the Consumer Electronics Show. So imagine all these like gamer nerds in the same conference room as all these porn stars. That's what I've heard. It's kind of yes. like the, um, what's that cosplay one? Comic-Con. It's kind mm -hmm. of like the Comic-Con featuring, you know, your favorite hump buddies. Yeah, so yeah, feature um, parody type pornos have always been the winners for like best feature film or you know best whatever uh, it was hilarious like best DP best you know whatever oh, I've seen supporting the role like all these things so it's hilarious but um, yeah well, a lesser known fact is that I actually one of my life goals is to actually write a pornographic film because I feel like a lot of the times I'm like the budget is here you clearly got some people who are willing to get down and dirty but I feel like there is a very fine line between being able to find a C-list actor or actress who is willing to have full-on sex mm -hmm. and making this production move and flow the same way a feature film would um, without having it being where it's you either see a lot of crazy, amazing CGI where like in a Pirates movie where they've got, you know, these fake skeletons coming in and whatever else, um, but also having it where the actors can actually carry and move this, the story along line along. I feel like there is a world Absolutely. for that. So was there any porn that you saw that you hadn't been privy to before that you were like, whoa, I like this? I like feminist porn. 
So that's like a whole category. <laughs> um, it's a lot about point of view in a more kind of supportive space, I guess, because usually it's like in porn, the man is doing something to her. Like he's just fucking her, right? right? And the woman just getting fucked, you know, like she's not doing the fucking really in, in terms of just like typical porn hub stuff. So if you find, if you seek out feminist porn, then you kind of see more of that dynamic if you do prefer kind of like exchanging of roles. And I like new potential of porn, which would be like VR porn, you know, kind of like. Listen, <laughs> I am very, very familiar with VR porn. I've got my Oculus headset. <laughs> I've definitely explored, you know, the virtual porn. And you're right in that, in that there is a very limited amount of videos within that space because i feel like it's still relatively new that they're shooting it specifically for virtual reality so mm -hmm. it is very male centric in that you're looking down and it is typically the male's body and his erect shaft and uh the women are you know engaging with that person but i i the name slips me but there is a director who does focus on giving you the pov from a woman's standpoint and that porn I've heard that even men prefer. Yeah. Because it's it's not as patriarchal, it's not as misogynistic, and it, it kind of allows you as the viewer to not feel slimy about the things that you're watching. Mm -hmm. Granted, sometimes there are also within porn fantasies of lack of consent and things like that yes and that's kind of where the lines get a little bit blurred so you were drawn to the more so feminist porn that kind of came in there mm -hmm. was there something that you saw that you were like whoa who is into this uh, i mean i know who's into this <laughs> but uh and it might be me no, i'm just playing <laughs> the typical kind of like asian subordinate role and like the Asian girls that they choose, they look like they're 12. They look like very, they look like little boys almost. You know Do you mean? know they the like history <laughs> of that? Because I've always kind of wondered like, why is it that, and like the, even like the way they sound is very juvenile. And yes. like, um, I don't know the history of like the blurring of genitals and stuff like that. Um, any insight on any of those things, if you have it. It's supposed to be innocent. That's all. Mm. So that's why they kind of add that juvenile thing. But then it turns into like, child porno territory you know what i mean it's not really innocent in the same context anymore in a western context yeah no i like the innocence of casting where it seems as though you know this young buxom girl decides that she wants to pivot her life into porn because her serving job wasn't paying her enough so she goes to this casting audition and the guy says well if you really want to make a splash in the industry we have to do some stuff right now right now and then yes and then it so there's like this element of like a power dynamic mm -hmm. and that they're almost you know um kind of being put on the spot most of it is staged which i understand but like i've said before i don't like porn stars i feel like that is too staged it's too forced it's too much like like why are you squirting across the room and screaming as if this is the best climax you've ever had in your entire life and when you see the behind the scenes of these films you see how long it is how drawn out they are how their genitals have just been beaten to a pulp and you're just like this is not something that i enjoy so the castings for me i do enjoy but the innocence from those other ones nah it's a little too far Mm -hmm. um okay so the sex toy stuff so what 
if you don't mind me asking, would you say if you had to, you know, throw a couple at me, rank some, what would you say are maybe some of the most um, popular in general and maybe even your own personal top three? So the popular ones are just what people have seen on TV. So it's basically the rabbit situation. Um, The problem with that and the second one, I think, is it's like a, a suction vibrator you've probably seen it before but the womanizer that one there's that one that's a br- yes you know the brands so oh, that's I another the one womanizer, and i've seen a few different ones the one that has the like the suction one on the tip and then it's got the vibrating yes, with the multiple the options yes and then i've also purchased the disposable one that you just kind of you know that's got a little suction joint you can toss it away after a mm. few uses yeah so the the problem with any of those that are dual ended like a kind of clit plus like intercourse intercourse one it's a insinuating a one size fits all situation so Mm. instead of getting one toy that's supposed to do two things you just get two separate toys so um i look at it as makeup so if you're gonna get like a makeup palette of all of the things that you need in like a to-go pack sure but ideally when you're home and you're doing your own makeup you have your brush for certain things you have you know different sections for everything that's how you should look at sex toys so i have like at least three main ones that i play with on a regular for three different reasons or three different places and then i alternate between each of those so they're kind of categories like that that's interesting that you have different you know different vibes for different vibes yes and um so I, I find that analogy interesting in terms of makeup. I feel like I, we can even maybe even simplify it even easy, easier. Is, is that's even worse. <laughs> See, I'm getting confused just thinking about these toys. But um, tampons, they're not all one size. Yes. So we, to assume that the vagina is just one size fits all is kind of crazy. So is there a company that's kind of issued out different sizes according to, you know, the region in which is looking to be pleasured? No, unfortunately. And I think that's, if I was ever to start another business, I would definitely start a sex ray business and deal with that situation. But that's, I don't know, that would be, that would require a lot of testing and a lot of different vaginas. I mean, listen, if ever you need somebody to help assisting with the testing, I am uh, an uncertified gynecologist and a vibrator ologist. So, okay. Um, no okay so you've got three different types depending on your mood and your morale um now are there some sex toys that you find that are they should just be discontinued because they may be harmful or that they're maybe desensitizing women or that they're you know offering uh maybe there's some false advertising because it's it's all cap it's not giving you the feeling that you're supposed to be getting Mm, the rabbit really sucks and i hate that it's made of that weird jelly material it kind of smells funny um just just go for the good stuff like the real 100 percent silicone the like kind of soft version of it um definitely don't get anything that needs batteries anymore just get the one that's rechargeable unfortunately it's gonna cost like at least 70 dollars and up instead of like a cheaper 20 30 dollar one but it's worth the investment see the one that i would probably invest in especially if i was uh engaging in a long distance relationship is the one where you can kind of control via the app do you have any experience with that one where you've kind of you know the lady inserts and then herself or whoever has this app can kind of you know engage with some of the oh it's it's really fun to have that on in a zoom call (laughs) because no one can know um yeah so that's fun 
That's interesting. So if you had some insight to give to men, because this is my experiment that I did, um, I think it was last year. Yes, it was last year. Or was it the beginning of this year? No, it was last year. I decided, I was like, listen, I'm in my 30s. I'm single. I'm going to go to a sex shop and just see what I can leave with, right? So mm -hmm. I went in, and granted, I also went in under the pretense that I had someone who I'd never engaged in any sexual activity with. They were coming in from out of town and we had been discussing back and forth some of the things that, you know, would interest her in the bedroom and so on. So the things that I left with were a blindfold. Mm -hmm. I left with this, it's called a touch massage oil heating dispenser. Nice. Yeah. Right. So that one, you know, instead of having to give a cold massage, you just stick your hand underneath and then you get this nice warm massaging oil. And I think you can put lube in there too. I haven't tried that. Um, and then I also grabbed the, I think it was called a womanizer, but it was just like the kind of like the small bar of soap one. Mm -hmm. And then I got one of those disposable suctions, um, with some like massage oils and that was all I left with, but I felt like, okay, I did leave with quite a bit, but what would you advise men when going into a sex shop? One, is there things that we can go out there as from speaking myself, a cis heterosexual male, what could I go in there to maybe pleasure myself? Or what should I be going in there if I do have a partner that I can help engage in, in the bedroom with? So I think that men should try a pocket pussy. Um, Whoa. Because I think guys end up using women, like actual humans as sex toys, and they should really just like have a pocket pussy that they like. Um, because when I, uh, when I get horny, like when I want something, like I have a multitude to choose from. So I'm, I'm not like out searching for a guy. So I think guys would be less, you know, on the prowl for women if they had, you know, their own collection of sex toys and it was kind of more socially acceptable. So get yourself a, a pocket pussy. If you want, um, to engage with a woman, get a bullet. Like we were talking about the bullet being the the kind of top normal one because you can use that like anywhere for foreplay. You can insert it. You cannot. Um, if you want to go one up, I would get a cock ring and then just connect the bullet with the cock ring so it becomes a vibrating cock ring. Okay, so there's a few things in there that <laughs> we, we got to address there. So for one, I think you're totally right in terms of um, men using women as sex toys. I myself being guilty of such that, you know, not having a a better alternative than the real mm -hmm. thing. Um, but my reluctance with a pocket pussy is that when I look at just a pussy that's just chilling there on my desk, it just kind of throws me off. Like there's an element there that's just like, this is not a sexy device to me. It's It seems like a weird thing for me to just kind of have there where I can just stick my penis in and nut inside of or whatever. And I feel like maybe that's the... There's a, a disconnect between the multitude of sex toys that are available to women as opposed to the ones that are available to men. Because if all I've got is either uh, a pocket pussy or I invest thousands of dollars into one of these real sex dolls, mm -hmm. it makes the options a little bit lower where you don't want, want a real life partner to come in. And all of a sudden you've got this huge crazy Brazilian sex doll just kind of chilling there in the corner. And then if somebody stumbles across your pocket post, they might also think like, oh, this guy's, you know, he loves fucking this inanimate object. This is kind of crazy. So that's yeah. one thing where I feel like those are my reluctance with that. Um, and when it comes to the cock ring, mm -hmm. speaking for myself personally, maybe it's just the ones that I found. Maybe they're just like the disposable ones. Maybe they're made a bit cheaper. And I've actually had ones before that have, 
the vibrating attachment to it, um, it kind of ruins the erection for me. So, and I know for some people it helps them last longer or whatever, but for me, just having that thing on my, my erect penis, it just kind of kills it, which you would think maybe it would hold the blood in there, but no, nah, it just, it ruins the, the, the mood for me. But mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's, again, the whole one size fits all thing. If you got the one that's a full actual ring and it's made of a jelly material that kind of stretches, it's not going to fit everybody. So you need to get the one that um, is kind of an open ring. Mm-hmm. and then you can kind of, you know, open it differently. So if you got one that's a full thing, yes, it's just going to hold you yeah, that thing <laughs> in is a not fun way. Squishing me. Definitely yeah. not a one size fits all. So if you are just <laughs> going down that shopper's drug mart aisle, just know yourself. Because for me, you know, I'm maybe a little bit on the larger side of things, so it doesn't really fit. <laughs> <laughs> um, another, like, I guess the most popular one is the WeVibe. It's also Canadian. I interviewed them when they first um, opened like, 10 years ago. And so basically it inserts half in the, in the vagina and half kind of leaves on top of the surface. So then when you insert yourself with that, um, you can feel the vibration as well but then she's wearing the contraption and not you. So it's actually a little bit more comfortable. Got you. Um, we vibe. Well, I'm always mm-hmm. trying to catch a vibe. <laughs> um, and just before we kind of divert away from this, this subject, I'm just trying to make sure rack through my brain, make sure I have no more questions. What is your, what are your ideas on? Um, cause I don't know what your three are that you use for specific reasons, but what is your, um, sentiment towards the hitachi like the back massaging r2d2 big motherfucker that i feel like every woman has somewhere in their home i mean it's great because you can use it for not just um masturbation right like you can use it for everything i have the large size format and then i have one that's attached to an actual dildo so it kind of is like a both sided thing yeah have you seen the one where it's like a drill where it's literally i'm gonna to try to find the picture for you but it's this okay. dildo that adds to um to essentially like a power drill now i don't know if it's if it's a real thing or if it's just like a, a meme but i saw this right here where it's like the three-part starter set the yes. ultimate sex tool is that a real thing yes but it's just for oh fun like it's not serious god honestly the um that's one of the best toys the ones that um insert in and out like a machine oh so this thing the, actually just like inserts like a power like yeah a, b- 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 yeah like a jackhammer kind so of it's joint? like a it's like a sex machine oh but like handheld oh see so. i'm seeing a video clip right here and this looks like <laughs> oh no okay so you got to be honest with me how many of these toys whether it be this one or the hitachi or just anything that has a lot of power behind it do you think that they have long-term effects that may reduce the stimuli from a woman no not at all so you don't think that me putting a jackhammer (laughs) full blast in someone's vagina is gonna like it's gonna ruin their experience with a man later on not with that kind of toy i've had like men use my dildos as a jackhammer into me and that was probably more damaging than the vibration toy itself i would say so maybe if you were going to hold the gun and undo that to a chick, a uh, different story, because I don't know. But um, I would say that would be the way that uh, you'd ruin things. That thing looks scary. All right. So let's get into your podcast yes. that you have here. So now, first of all, what is the name of your podcast? 
the podcast is called the miss amanda chen show the miss amanda chen show mm-hmm. so what happens on this miss amanda chen show what what made you want to start a podcast because again we hear every day somebody wants to start a podcast but what was it that not only gave you the idea but made you go forward with it so every time i talk about just new development developments in my life like I just told you I started coaching and that was like three months ago. And then before that I was, you know, managing my company. And then before that I was doing this and that. So everything always changes and everyone kind of says like, oh, what's next on the Amanda show? So it's always been a, a running joke. So I thought, you know what, let's just make the Amanda show. And then this is like ultimate job security. Like, no, you can't fire Amanda Chen from the Miss Amanda Chen show. It's true. You know, I've been fired from a million jobs from all of my different, uh, job descriptions that I've I've done in my life so it's kind of like the ultimate version of like a collection of all the things that I can do and talk about um, and be an expert on so that's kind of the reason for the show and that I have full autonomy over it which is like ultimate power I'd say yeah no absolutely that there's um there's something to be said about being able to be your own boss and know that no one can really pull the plug on what it is that you're doing um so what is something that you are currently working on right now because I know um you know when people hear podcasts they just kind of assume somebody presses record on this thing and then that's that but you have a bit of a a case study if you will that you're working on so what is it exactly that um this amanda chen show is trying to deliver so the 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 first season that i'm launching is called 100 mass men and i thought it was interesting because you know we're living in the pandemic and everyone's got to wear masks but what other types of masks are we wearing in society? Mm. So I thought of 100 Masked Men because I realized that I work a lot in the female empowerment space. I do a lot of workshops um, on women empowerment, specifically in entrepreneurial endeavors and you know, helping women get the confidence to start their business or you know, whatever it is. But the biggest problem is always women crying over some guy, right? And that has been a universal problem that just keeps going and i'm just like why are these guys so terrible to women and then i thought well i'm not really helping that conversation i'm just like shouting at them telling them what they're doing wrong you know saying this is the new way you better learn how to accept that whatever and i'm not giving them any um space to talk to me about it ask me questions like see how they can participate. So starting 100 Masked Men is really just to have honest conversations conversations with men that I clearly haven't had in basically my whole life and hopefully change the script when people interact with others, especially from the opposite sex when you don't understand the other person and you don't understand their life. And thinking about it, I'm just like, wow, men don't know how women live, obviously. So they can't relate. And as much as they try to pretend that they can relate, that's we're not trying to do that. And, and women need to stop trying to be men, you know? And I feel like women, empower move, women empowerment movements have been very toxic in just trying to sabotage men or overpower men or like show some kind of superiority versus like collaboration and connection. So um, it's been an interesting journey just to find men that are hopefully open to doing that. I noticed that I cared a lot about you know, the toxic men on the far end spectrum. And those guys are never going to listen to a woman, especially a self-proclaimed feminist that's, you know, talking about women's rights. But they might listen to a respectable man, 
And that's kind of what the 100 masked men are there for as representation of different perspectives of other male perspectives. Um, and then also speaking to another woman respectfully and openly and vulnerably about their own situations. Right. So I love the premise. I love the idea. I really do hope it does um, help to translate, I guess, the plight of women trying to understand men. Um, but do you find that being that the men are masked, that the men who maybe are of the toxic masculinity on that far end of that spectrum, that because they don't know who they're listening to, that they're a little less prone to taking what they're saying um, earnestly, where as opposed to if they saw someone that they admired or someone that they looked up to speaking candidly about these issues or their sentiments or whatever, that that might translate a bit better? I think that will. And that's what season two is. Got season you. two will be the unmasking of them or just generally unmasked men that are happy to talk about their vulnerabilities. But I mean, if you look at society now, not a lot of men project that, you know, or, or comfortable talking about that, especially comfortable talking about that with another woman, you know, because you have to admit a lot of things that you've been guilty of doing. And a lot of people don't want to say that aloud. Absolutely. And right? I've had to check myself over the last couple of years um, and there's been really captivating content that's really kind of helped illustrate some of the other POVs that I may not have been privy to. Um, there's a great show called I May Destroy You on Crave, um, where they dabble in a plethora of different elements of what it is to be a woman, what it means to be a black woman, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a black man, a gay black man. Like they, they really tried to cover as many of these um, POVs as possible and kind of showing you these real life situations and how they navigate through them. So um, I do think that there's now, especially in film, maybe in literature as well, more resources for people to really kind of, especially men, to, to better themselves and realize um, that there is an actual issue that needs to be resolved. But I've told you this, I told you this over the phone before we met up, that my analogy in terms of where I stand in this whole battle for feminism is I am very aware of the fact that I am not action, action, putting in actions to, to mm -hmm. better the cause. So I'm the person where I don't consider myself to be an ally because I feel like there is a lot of responsibility that comes with being an ally. So I would consider myself that person where if you give me a ticket to that event, I'll pull up, but I won't be the person who's going to buy a season ticket. I won't be front row. I won't be the one who um, tattoos that organization on my body, um, but I do want to see progress. I I think ignorance plays into, um, I guess, my lack of action as well as just not really um, putting myself in those areas where I can really see and identify with all the issues that exist and how I can be an instrumental part in in correcting things. Um, but there are a lot of causes that, you know, I feel like we want to support. Um, this is just me speaking for myself. There's a lot of issues that I wish I could support, but I just either don't know where to, to begin or just don't know, um, if that is the main priority, not to say that it's, it's low on my priority list, but it's just, I don't know where it would fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so far you've done a quarter of your first season. How has it gone? What have you learned? Um, and what do you hope to get by the end of this entire season? 
So when I first did it, I was like, I wanted 300 guys at the beginning because I wanted it like the movie 300. And then I thought, okay, that's too much. I'll just, I'll slice it into three seasons, maybe. So I wanted to start with 100 men. Uh, the first quarter, I asked a bunch of people I already knew. And then I asked a bunch of people I already knew to recommend me to other people. So some of them are like total blind meetings. And imagine getting like super vulnerable in like the first time meeting someone I mean, and being that's public. that's the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty intense. What I, what I thought was really interesting is certain guys would still lie to me on the show, which I will reveal in my quarterly reports, um, the ones that lied, because why do you need to lie? I tried to make this as safe as possible by masking you. I'm not going to judge you and on your jargon and, you know, whether you know what you're talking about or not. Like the whole point of this is to reveal a different perspective so that the audience can finally decide for themselves and make a conscious decision. I'm not going to suggest it any other way. And I think a lot of people are just like afraid of that much, giving that much power to the audience finally. Because we're so used to being controlled by media and the media telling us what to do. And you're like, wait a minute, you're going to let us decide for ourselves? Yeah, that's real power. For sure. Well, listen, I'm tuned in. I um, I haven't had a chance yet to take in these episodes. Where can we find this content if we are looking to dive into this realm of these hundred un or currently masked men? <laughs> you can find it at the Miss Amanda Chen show podcasts on pretty much every single platform that you can stream podcasts cool. on and we won't be seeing videos because these guys are masked up mm -hmm. all right well um what's your instagram in case people want to reach out to you um where can people find you outside of just the the podcast dsp info yep i mean it's all the same branding miss amanda chen.com at miss amanda chen so yeah on Instagram, everything. Amanda Chen. And guys, don't be sliding in there asking <laughs> if she's got any pocket pussies laying around because the answer is no. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me over here on the Tall, Dark, and Ratchet podcast. If you are watching the video, make sure that you like, you share, and of course, you follow um, the, the subscribes list. And of course, if you're listening in on these DSPs, make sure that you tell a friend about it, leave me a review, and I will see you next week. Peace.